You are listening to a podcast from Australia's best-known community radio station, 3RRR, 102.7 in Melbourne. <laughs> Sounds of preparation. The business-like rustling of papers. That's right. Yeah. Ah, we're ready to go here. Uh, very good afternoon to everyone here. It is the afternoon here on 3RRR FM. Welcome. Come on in. Come on in. We've opened it up. We've got the studio all warm for you. It's all very nice. Uh, lovely to see you. If you've been listening all morning, good for you. Thank you to the scientists and bravo. And we look forward to next week. Uh, yeah, big don't week. we, Matt? Oh, you're back too. Uh, hello. I have returned. <laughs> you're, you're, you're back after your... Um... I had my insides interfered with surgically. Yes, general anaesthetic two and keyhole surgery to boot. Never had a general anaesthetic before. Three spots. Three little lap scars and one appendix down. Yep. And here I am. No, well, good, and thank you for Kent for um, jumping in at the last moment. That was kind of the noise I made last week. So, yeah, there, so there he was. Matt was having his uh, the appendix appendage ripped out. Yes. Torn. little useless from, part of the body, yes. Torn asunder, if we were going to get Shakespeare in on it. Get all Macbeth, you <laughs> but know. But no, we were... And, and, and wood and enough about me. We we're just going to big up uh, and again say thanks, of course, to the scientists every week. But next week's big because... Uh, Tim Flannery, live from the performance space for an hour. I think that sounds amazing. It does. Uh, that, that, that sounds amazing. And also, while we're sort of um, casting our bouquets around, we should yes. also mention that uh, part of the download team, Kate, um, yes. you were showing me that the catering show has uh, had a little preview. Preview of season two. <laughs> it's funny. They're yes. dark, aren't they? They are excellent. They're really dark. Yes. Sort of so, what do they do if people want to watch that? Um, just Google the catering show. Yeah, right. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> there you go. Um, it's a little two-minute update. It's worth watching. Bit obvious. Could be. Yeah. But hey. Yeah, bit, bit yeah. obvious. Uh, yes. Uh, what do we got um, on today's show? It's yes. springtime. Not that you'd really know it from stepping out your front door. Blossom. Yes, true. Blossom around. And and maybe there's bees in your garden. Maybe there are bees. Nice segue. You know, doing that sort of stuff. If you're lucky enough to have um, some flowers that attract bees, and we might find a little bit about that. Yes. We'll work backwards because mm. uh, Matt and Vanessa are actually, they're in a hive as we speak. They the are surrounded by bees. The duo behind Melbourne Rooftop Honey, mm. those folks who have taken idle rooftops of Melbourne and transformed them. And put some bees on it. Well, I actually added stuff to it. Yeah, but totally. um, if you think your life is good and you should be covered in bees, <laughs> that's what Matt and Vanessa do. No, yes. uh, Melbourne Rooftop Honey, quite seriously, um, innovators of um, getting this really interesting ecosystem that we have. This, this It's not a monoculture out there. That's the interesting mm. thing about um, the city is that it is... So diverse, and so the honey you get from all these different areas is quite interesting. But anyway, you've met them, haven't yes. you? Haven't you? Anyway, they're coming back, um, reluctantly, because <laughs> they're so busy, <laughs> I sort of uh, twisted their arms to come in. And we'll be seeing them later on in the show. Yes. Nick Stanton's here. He's just sort of, yeah, he's looking comfy. He's had coffee. He's caffeinated. He's smiling, um, which is lovely. Nick Stanton from Leonard's House of Love in South Yarra. And he's going to join <laughs> us. He's going to talk about spring. He's going to talk about has the world gone crazy with chicken and hamburgers. Huh? Is What's that up? what we're about? What's up with that? Yeah, but anyway, mm. not, it's not just that. Yeah. It's just not mm. that. The glass is also half full. We'll be talking about the glories that is um, that we see with this season. Yes. That's uh, coming on. And uh, also, um, I was uh, lucky enough to be a part of the 2015 Royal Melbourne Fine Food Awards, which were held this week. How were they? 
Oh, great. You weren't just a part of it. You were MC. You ran the show. It was a galah dinner yes. um, at the MasterChef Pavilion. Really? Yeah, down there at the showgrounds. Oh. And yeah, I was MCing that, and it was really, really good. But uh, the interesting thing is that there was an award for the best Victorian product and one product to beat them all. Really? Yes. So this was just best product in general? There was no specific well, category? Well, you get the way that it works uh, with the Fine Food Awards is that you get assessed, you get points, yep. and through that you get gold medals, and then they pick a champion. Yep. And then it's sort of like, you know, it's like best of show, isn't it? Yep. Yeah. And then you get the title belt handed to you. That's right. Yeah. And you go, I love you all. <laughs> no, they didn't do that. So because, who, was, um, who was thrusting the title belt sky high this year round? Uh, the, the very good folk of Cobram Estate. Uh, with their we reserve Hoshi Blanca, mm. and it's a sensation oil. Well, it should be, shouldn't it? it I won. suppose. Anyway, we're, but we're going to have a, a chat to Rob McGavin, who yes. is the Cobram Estate founder, mm. and he's uh, at home just taking it easy at uh, Darren Allum. I don't know where that is. Neither did I. It sounds reasonable. That's what I said. Yeah. So I was talking to Georgie, who's uh, one of PA, and he's in Darren Allen, and I went, I don't know, where? Halfway between Geelong and Hamilton. Oh, right. So think yeah. very fine Western District yeah. um, type thing. Anyway, mm. chat to him, and uh, that should be fun. But uh, before that, uh, there's things to do. And uh, to all the dads out there. Yes. How's that nail belt, hey? <laughs> I've got a new nail belt, and I've got some Brute 33 soap. And a, no, that's probably a, Is there anything a couple of decades ago. More annoyingly stereotypical than consumer ads for Father's Day on the TV. It's like suddenly, it's and like, for Dad, he'd love a nail belt. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah it's, it's the festival of power tools. It is the festival of power tools. <laughs> and what about for Dad, Black and Decker? Yes, yeah, everything he's ever going to need. Everything he's going to. What about a new drill bit? Yes. Hey, <laughs> well, it beats socks, I guess, doesn't it? Yeah. Anyway, happy Father's Day. I wonder Day. what the best Father's Day gift of all, other than the love of your children. You know, yes. don't go there. Um, Jamie, haven't got a phone answer. We might be able to do that. But anyway, we'll just let that yeah, go yeah. to the keeper. Uh, today's food quote, life expectancy would grow by leaps and bounds if green vegetables smelled as good as bacon. That's Doug Larson's opinion. I take issue with that. I think Me green, too. I, I was, think it, green vegetables smell just as good as yeah. bacon. Yeah. Yeah, especially a little take bit of that. ginger, a little bit of garlic. Oh, yeah, you know. maybe a bit of the Cobham Estate olive oil. Yeah, broccolini. You broccolini. think broccolini with a little bit of garlic, yeah. you know, just lovely. I would take that over bacon any day. Yeah, Doug. God, he was this Doug Larson. Pipe anyway, down. but um, as we look towards the Catholic Church and we say, gee, there's some good things that they've done. And uh, one of them is to just have a saint for everything. Yes. And I think that's the thing that we have to say. Consensus, Matt and I kind of admire that, don't we? Yes, their saint department yeah. is... E- even though it's got to be modernised. Yes. We agree on that we too? We have always agreed. Yes, we yes. need uh, the patron saint of photocopiers, for instance. And printer ink. And printer ink. Yes. But uh, today is uh, St. Magnus of Fussen's Day, mm. the patron of crops. Good on you, St. Magnus. Very busy. We salute you. Now, he gets a day... But you know what gets the whole week? What? Isn't it, didn't you say it's National Waffle Week? Oh, yeah, you, you went quite to town on that, didn't you? <laughs> you went all waffly. So if you're the saint of crops, you get a day, but if you're into waffles, you get the whole week. Yeah, you get the whole week. And uh, also in America, it's Biscuits and Gravy Week. Uh-huh. And a biscuit you have to sort of think of is not the biscuit week. No, it's like, a, it's like a savoury scone sort of thing. Oh, you're on it. Yes. You're on it. Wow, um, and uh, looking back, we say that uh, on 1899, mm-hmm. Carnation began producing evaporated milk. 
called Carnation Sterilized Cream. Sounds delicious, doesn't it? It's before the marketing, marketing department. department. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, we haven't. Yeah, we're gonna, that's going to be one of their first jobs once we get a marketing department. Yes. So, eighteen ninety nine, and uh, I don't know. There's probably a lot of people that don't remember. There was a big push in the nineteen seventies to um, add evaporated milk to the coffee. Oh, really? Yeah, you'd make a lovely cup of instant coffee and you'd whack a bit of carnation in there. And so that'd be your sugar and your milk, yeah, presumably, right? Oh, you know, you'd probably Sounds add a little bit of sugar while having a, while having a cigarette. Yeah, right. <laughs> so, and thus not caring that it tasted like crap. Yeah, yeah, you know, sort of like the way we drank cappuccinos. You know, there was that little bit of sweet chocolate on the top. On the top. There was that little bit of sweetness and then there was just this hot, thin, nasty coffee underneath not it. Once have I ever had a coffee and thought, what this really needs, what this is crying out for is some chocolate sprinkles. Oh, really? Never had that. That reaction in well, my life. well, we're different. Here we are. I, I oh, like, really? I yeah. like. I don't mind a bit of chocolate sprinkles right. on. That's called mocha. Vive la différence. Mocha. It's, it's valid, man. <laughs> it's valid. Um, what else happened? Uh, Carnation. Oh, 1643. Mm. Louis XIV, King of France, the Sun King was born. A gourmand. No, a gourmet. Right. Gourmand, and many say a glutton. There you go. There's three G words. Going really? On. Yes. Going in. Uh, yes. In. Different sort of... Happy uh, birthday, Louis. Yeah, yeah. During his uh, reign, food began to be served in courses rather than placed on the table all at once and forks came into widespread use. And that was uh, where we got the whole notion of French service as opposed to service à la russe. Or was it the other way around? No, service à la russe is where you put everything down on the table, I think. Anyway, the French, they went, no, we will split this, we will make it more interesting. We have the little bit of stat and then in the middle, and then we have the finish rather than the blum. That's that makes sense. Russian yes. And uh, going on to Russia in 1698, Tsar Peter of uh, the First mm. of Russia imposes a tax on beards. Really? Mm-hmm. Wouldn't survive in Fitzroy nowadays. What, the beards the, or the tax? The tax. That might chased, be a good idea. Chased out of the country. Well, yeah, an Australian, isn't it? Yeah. Um, and in 1850, Jasper Newton Jack. Daniel was born. Oh, really? Uh, he died October the 10th, 1911, founder of Jack Daniel's Tennessee Whiskey Distillery. Yeah. Yeah, which is uh, kind of good. And um, I need to just do a personal endorsement. Go. You have the floor. It's good having a floor, isn't it? It is. It's, it's nice. It's it's nice thing about this. Yeah. 3 R, 1213. You're listening to Eat It, just in case you've joined us. We're about to start the show, but before we do, I have to mention something. The mm. fact that I attended a wedding mm. yesterday. Yes. And um, and a huge uh, acknowledgement, and may they live happily, Donna and Grant. Beautiful wedding. Yes. Beautiful wedding. But the thing that made it so good mm. and so magnificent, not just the love that, you know, was sort of shown and, you know, the family and the beautiful speeches that from the heart and the ritual that we see... There was a celebrant, and his name is JVG, Johnny Von Goes. Triple R's own. Triple R's own celebrant. The first time I've ever seen him in action. Yes. And you were uh, very, very impressed. Johnny Von Goes. Yes. Is the best celebrant in the free world. <laughs> yes. Yes. I'll go with that. He is. He's amazing. He was just... The way that he gets that line between rock and roll and solemnity, mm. if that's the right way to pronounce That'll that be. word. Yep. Yeah, it's all right. I'll go with Tick. that. Mm-hmm. Um, pff, 
yeah, he's amazing. Anyway, 12.14. Uh, we are hoping that uh, we've got Rob. We're going to play a, a music track just while we find him. Yes. Apparently, he's just a phone call away. We'll, 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 we we'll will prove see. that in a second. Yes, yes we will. But, um, yeah, uh, stick with us. Oh, and also, just to let you know that uh, during the show, mm. uh, we've got a couple of bottles of that olive oil to give away. So, subscribers, get ready. Yes. And uh, there will be a question which I have to ask. 12.15 on 3 Triple R. Oh, yeah. 12.18 here on 3 RFM. You're in East Brunswick. And um, and uh, and we've got someone who's in Darunalem. I've said that wrong, haven't I? <laughs> Cheers, this is a good start. Rob McGavin, a very, very good afternoon to you. Good afternoon, Cameron. And congratulations <laughs> to you. We should, uh, first of all, how do we pronounce this, um, the place that uh, you're at? I live at Darunalem. Ah, Darunalem. About an hour west of Geelong. Sounds great. In the uh, in the beautiful Western Districts. Yeah, absolutely. Nice windy day down here today. Is it? Well, it's windy every day, but it's just extra windy today. Oh, wow. Okay. <laughs> windy plains. Um, but uh, we should, uh, first of all, congratulate you because uh, your oil, uh, your reserve, Hoshe Blanca, has uh, managed to win the best product at uh, the Royal Melbourne Fine Food Awards. You must be delighted. Yeah, no, it's, uh, we're absolutely thrilled. We've had a fantastic year this year, so um, you never expect to win awards, and it's always a bonus, but it's really terrific, and we're all so proud when we win something, and we didn't even know that we were up for the Victorian product of the year, so to win it was an extra surprise. And, you know, Rob, it sort of it makes me think that we've come a long way with uh, with this industry, the Years and years ago, I saw my first bottle of Australian olive oil, and I think it was Coriol from the McLaren Vales. Yep, yep, yep. And it was like a 375ml bottle, and I think it was around about $18 then. And, yeah, look, they and, and now we sort of, we, we accept the fact that we have a really, really great Australian um, olive oil industry. And with, with you guys at Cobram Estate... Um, there we are. Here's proof positive of this establishment, yeah? Yeah, look, it really, really is. And obviously when we first planted all our groves you know, 15 years ago, we didn't really know truly how good the quality would be or not. But, you know, with olives, it's similar to most other fruit. But if you can imagine a, a fresh orange juice squeezed from oranges straight off the tree and the quicker you squeeze them, the fresher the juice is and the more amazing it tastes, well, that's really exactly the same with olives. So if you concentrate on growing a nice, healthy, fresh olive on the tree and you squeeze it, you know, pick it and squeeze it really quickly and turn it into extra virgin olive oil, that makes amazing tasting extra virgin olive oil. So it's pretty simple, and because we're mechanised and because of our systems and we own all of the trees, we can really get it from the tree to the bottle in a pretty fast period of time. So, Rob, you're mentioning it's been 18 years since uh, Cobham Estate was established, and you established this business that was with university mates. Was, is that right? Yeah, well, Boundary Band was the original sort of planting in the name of the business, and the business is still called Boundary Band Olives. And a friend and I from college, Paul Redden, sort of started it with some friends and family, and we planted the first lot of trees at a little place called Boundary Band on the Murray River. Mm. Um, and it's just slowly growing, and we were always going to just produce fruit and sell it to someone to make olive oil. But you know, one thing led to another, and we bought the Cobham Estate 
brand in 2006, and I suppose we've really grown that. And we've, we've, we're just, I shouldn't say just farmers, but we've just concentrated on having the highest quality product we possibly can at the at the lowest price. And you know, the consumers have just kept coming and kept supporting us, and it's been an amazing journey of you know highs and lows, but. We're very, very proud of sort of where we're at and being able to deliver that value for money because it's it's amazing. You think our olive oil is just, I mean, Coverance won more awards than any other brand in the world and we do it every year and I won't say it gets boring by any stretch, but it's just testament to, you know, how good our people are at growing. Well, you know, well dare we say it's, it's vindication, isn't it? Yeah, it's third party testament endorsement. Vind- that we believe vind- in it, but it's great when someone else does too and it's just... We're an awesome team of people and we're so passionate about growing high-quality extra virgin olive oil. And, you know, the higher the quality is, the better it is for your health. And the, the higher the quality, obviously, the better it makes your food taste. So it's a real win-win. When did you think of... Why olives? We were going wine grapes in the 90s and, you know, just a family vineyard. And, mm. you know, obviously there was a lot of money being invested in... in you know, wine and grapes, and it was the buzz thing, and we just thought yeah, it was. extra virgin olive oil consumption was increasing, and we thought we should be able to grow this really well here in Australia. We just didn't realise how sort of difficult the whole road was going to be, but we, you know, we've finally, I suppose, made it. Well, well we're, and you you did sort of allude to those those low points and those hard times. So, so what was the difficulties in setting this up? Oh, uh, look, the trees, we had to import them all to get the true varietals that we wanted to grow here from, you know, mother trees in Israel and getting them all through quarantine and we had half of them destroyed and really? you know, nearly sent us broke before we started. And, Why were they you know, destroyed? Mechanized. Because if they find that we had to bring in sort of little live cuttings in cotton wool oh, with no yes. dirt and if they found any bugs or eggs or anything on it, they inspected every single little cutting that had the rooted cutting and... You know, they're a dollar fifty US each, and we had fifty thousand destroyed going through oh. customs, yeah. and, and that's all fine. I don't blame customs or you know quarantine; that's their job. Yes. But it just really set us back, and then you know we had to get people to trust us to put some money in, so we could plant enough groves that we'd have a you know an efficient operation. You know, and then all the way along the process, whether it was mechanically harvesting or processing or storage or calculating best before dates, and just ensuring the consumer gets a great product but that our cost of production is low enough to compete and um you know that we've had floods and currency going up and olive oil being dumped here from europe and you know we've businesses survival with the head of credit for one of the major banks um yeah, so a few years ago, so <laughs> it hasn't been an easy road. But here's okay. No. So here's vindication, and also um, I use the example of the um, Coriol as the first olive oil I'd saw, and now <clears throat> the this industry has um, has matured enough that we now have varietals. We're starting to look at varietals um, within the industry, and you've got what is one of the first I've seen in this country is is a reserve blend, and it's. Tell us a little bit about what makes this, well, it's the champion of champions and what makes it special. Yeah, so obviously we have many different varieties and just like wine grapes, they have different characteristics in the oil. So if the olive's fresh and you you squeeze it and get the the juice out, you'll have extra virgin olive oil. Um, But how that tastes and complexity in that oil is based 
principally on the variety. So um, some varieties are very mild and sweet and... You know, some varieties are very peppery, peppery and robust, yeah. and yeah. yeah, and that peppery and robustness is the antioxidants that are in the olive oil that cause that sensation in the mouth. Um, yeah. And so, different when you pick the olive oil, so it gives you a different style and different characteristic. You know, if it's very green at the beginning of the season, it'll be more bitter. If it's it's later in the season, the olive's gone black, it'll be more mellow. But we really we've got two and a half million trees across three estates, and we really look at all through the year which patches are just the fruit looks outstanding no sort of disease healthy fresh looking fruit and then we try and pick it at the optimum time and make these really special batches and certainly the reserve Oki Blanca and the reserve um, Piquel which are two different varieties and different styles mm-hmm. have been very successful races along with a number of other varieties and we've got our premiere and you know even the Cobham Estate Classic and Robust and Light have won an enormous amount of medals and it's it's really, you know, kicking that fruit when it's absolutely fresh and within hours squeezing it, having it in, you know, the juice, extra virgin olive oil and just keeping it away from heat and oxygen light. and light. Don't and they're the three the things that sort of send it off. Yep. Yeah. So, um, and then we bottle it just in time for the consumer so really, you know, we hold it in in stainless steel vats and keep it away from oxygen in temperature control rooms and then, you know, just in time bottling. So we're delivering it to all the stores um, really just in time and we work out a scientifically calculated best before date and, um, you know, people should use it within four to six weeks of opening because it's the antioxidants that are in it that make it taste so amazing and give it the health benefits, but it's those antioxidants that are there to keep the oil fresh. So they sacrifice themselves um, to keep that all fresh. So over time, they diminish, and that's where the quality oil starts to deteriorate. But it's not a really rapid thing. If you treat the oil well, it's in a dark bottle and whatever, it's it's got a 12-month um, use-by-date, so, you know, almost always. Well, but tell once you open it, four to six weeks. So, Rob, this uh, so this thing's a win- Is it going to be available locally and around and... We're going yeah, to see yeah no, absolutely, absolutely. The, so what are we looking the, for? We're the, looking for the Reserve Hoshi Blanca... Um, yeah, it's a black. It's a black label, round bottle, five hundred mils. Um, how it's much? Around twenty dollars a bottle. It. Some of the top end Woolworth stores have got it. Many of the independents, um, Lamana, which is at Essendon Airport, has a great range of it for people mm. in Melbourne. Um, you can buy it on our website, just cobhamestate.com.au. Yeah. Um, and we'll deliver it to you. And, um, and the good news, Rob, is we're going to give away two bottles because you've been very generous in giving some to us. We're going to have to keep moving, but uh, c- thank you very, very much for your time. Uh, enjoy. Lovely, the... lovely to talk to you, Cameron, and, and thank you and all of the great consumers out there who keep us keep us going. Oh, well, good on you. Well, no, thank you for uh, for providing such a great product at um, yeah, pretty good price, as you say, uh, Rob. Congratulations. We're going to have to move on, but uh, I'm going to set up this question, and uh, a couple lucky subscribers will get uh, 500 mil each. Mm. Thanks, Cameron. Pleasure. Enjoy the day. Yep. Thanks for having a chat to us. Wowie. Okay, here we go. The question mm. uh, starts thus. It's uh, it's uh, don't get on the phone yet. I <laughs> see you. People are getting uh, I see very you. early. Yeah, I see you, line one. Uh, name this fruit. Uh, the scientific name, uh, Blyer Sapida, comes from its association with Captain William Bly of the HMS Bounty, Mutiny on the Bounty, who is thought to have carried the fruit from tropical West Africa, possibly Guinea, 
to the Caribbean islands and specifically to Jamaica in 1793. Since then, this fruit has become a major feature of various Caribbean cuisines and is widely cultivated in tropical and subtropical areas around the world. It is a relative of the lychee and the longan, and the fruit itself is not edible. Only the fleshy arils around the seeds are edible. The remainder of the fruit, including the seeds, are poisonous. Don't you be eating those, Matt. And the fruit must only be picked after the fruit has opened naturally. Must be fresh, not overripe, immature, and overripe ones are also poisonous. Danger zone. Danger zone. What is this fruit? Nine three double eight one zero two seven. We've got two bottles to give away. Nick Stanton is standing by. We'll see if he knows the answer after this. Twelve thirty one here on three triple RFM. We've got Nick Stanton here. He's uh, he's got his headphones on. He's looking across from me. He's got a big smile on his face. G'day, everyone. Yeah, how the <laughs> hell are you? Now the uh, the answer to the question yeah, was people. You should put people out of the misery. What was the answer to the question? Starts with a B. It was breadfruit. That's oh. right. That's the uh, that's a fruit that. Uh well, the bounty became sort of like a, uh, well, a big floating uh, botanical place. Con- nursery, that's what I was thinking. Sorry. When words fail here on the radio. Who won, Matt? Uh, yeah, where were you going? I'm just going to go and take their details. Okay. There's two, just hang on the line if you're still on the line because I need to get your name. I was wondering where you were going. Yeah, I'm just going to Matt's just going to go. Oh, well, but Nick's here. Mate. And, of course, Nick Stanton, who is from St. Lindsay of Love in South Yarra. Yes. Tell us a little bit about this place, those that um, that haven't been there. Okay, so it's a... It's and maybe just speak nicely into that microphone. That's there we good. go. There, there you go. go. Hello. 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 Uh, yeah, so basically we... It's in South Yarra. It's near a jam factory. Um, Whereabouts near the jam factory? Across the road, like Chapelli? It's like the... No, other side. Other uh, side. What is it? Wilson Street. Yeah, okay. Yes. Yeah, so... Used to be a old nightclub called Trist. Um, Trist. Used to, used to, used to, <laughs> <laughs> it was what a terrible name for a <laughs> Trist. It was there for about twenty years, I think. And, oh, really? Yeah, and we. Uh, God, I never went there. We yeah. pretty much turned it into a ski lodge house party. Yeah. So. Do you uh, fondue? <laughs> sort of a bit like that, a bit upright. Yeah, and uh, yeah, it's. Doing charcoal chicken and burgers and mm. having a good time. And you were saying to me before that um, you, you put on the burgers almost as like, oh, yeah, I guess we should maybe just, you know, put it on as just, you know, just something to do. Yeah, very. it was very last minute. The, the original concept was by doing uh, old school Aussie style charcoal chicken, you know, where <laughs> I grew up around it and I'm mm. sure a lot of other people did. Cooked on coal? Yeah. Cooked over coal. Yeah. It makes such a difference, doesn't it? Yeah, the flavour, like the flavour you get out of charcoal is is completely different to anything else. And, and just in case anybody hasn't really thought about that, why is that the fact that charcoal gives such a great flavour? Uh, it's, it's got a lot to do with just natural cooking. No gas, a lot more smokiness. Yeah, higher um, temperature. Higher temperature, that's right. Yeah. Yeah, just, it, it, it makes a big difference. And it's a lovely dry heat product. too. Yeah. Because it's weird. When you when you do gas is sort of a wet heat. It's not as intense, is it? Mm. Yeah. The, the fin- Natural gas. The finished the finish product is just, yeah, it's it's so different. Yeah. So you've got chickens on. What do you, what do, you do to these chooks? Uh, 
Basically, I, they're, they're semi-cured the day before in a, uh, it's like a smoked paprika rub. Um, leave it overnight, dry it out. Yes. And yeah, cook them on the charcoal, finish them with a Coca-Cola glaze. Uh, makes them go nice and sticky and glossy and caramelized and blackened and. Yum. Yeah, and so, and so for, so Coca-Cola can be used for the powers of good. Uh, rather than just filling yourself with too much sugar, yeah. if we say you know that's that's maybe it's not not quite so good. But you say say a Coca Cola glaze. So what do you do? You just boil down Coca Cola to to get a syrup, or you just whack it straight from I put Coca Cola straight in a spray bottle and just spray the chickens. Hey, there that's you it. go. Yeah, well, that's easy. Just go down the Bunnings and pick up a one of the the garden sprays and. Coconut. Did you get? <laughs> did you get that, Matt? I just, I just popped back in, and the first words I heard were "Coca-Cola can be used for good instead of evil." Yeah, well, there you, <laughs> go. there you go. Well, other than cleaning copper coins, I think uh, uh, we, we proved that they can do that. So, okay, so there you go. That's so that's kind of valid. Yeah. And um, and so, what do you serve your chickens with when you do that? Uh, so you got the half chicken, then I've got the winner winner chicken dinner. Winner winner chicken yeah. dinner. It's like uh, that. It's a feast of. Mash and gravy, fries, classic Greek salad, what mm. you see in a lot of chicken shops. Yes. And half a chook, bread roll, more yeah. gravy, yeah. extra gravy, yeah. as much gravy as you like. <laughs> Don't be frightened of gravy. Don't be frightened to ask for more gravy. And how do you make your gravy? Uh, roast chicken stock. Yeah. 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 Roast chicken stock, then glaze, mm. uh, thickened up. Proper. So, yeah. So you can Proper gravy. dunk those chips in there and it coats them. Yep. Oh, that sounds good. You know, that's that's sort of it's it's a weird thing. We people different countries have different um, traditions, food traditions. And I remember, I think I might have mentioned it on the show. I used to to live in Canada. I've got a buddy of mine, guy on it, who sometimes listens from Toronto. And one of the big things over there in Ontario is chicken. Uh, not uh, sorry, chips with gravy on them. And um, yeah, and I remember walking home. In the middle of winter, when it's minus twenty-seven degrees below Celsius, and those chips with gravy can keep you alive, <laughs> you know. I think the the poutine's a big craze around Melbourne at the moment as well. The isn't it? Yeah. Tell us about poutine. <clears throat> Just describe it for those that might not have tried it. Yeah, it's basically chips, gravy, and cheese curds. But it's uh, I think the the classic cheese curds are made from the unpasteurised milk, which we can't really get. Really? Here. So it's. Uh, yeah, the the classic poutine. I'm not too sure how many are happening, but yeah, it's and that's that's more instead of that's still Canada, but that's more the Quebecois, the uh, the French part of uh, Canada. They do all Correct. that sort of stuff, and and yeah, and it's amazing. It's sort of it's become quite evident, hasn't it, in Melbourne lately? Mm, yeah, if, yeah even a, though the the cheese curds are a little bit questionable. Yes, that's mm. right. Mm. Um, and uh, so as well as this great chicken, you said almost as an afterthought, oh, God, I better put on a burger on, but it sort of, it kind of took over, didn't it? It did. Like, it was, it was, it was literally probably a couple of days before opening. I was like, oh, you know what? I love burgers. It's like always, you can never get sick. I'm like, oh, let's put some cheeseburgers on. Mm. And, um, yeah, that's, every week it's I, my bread Bread orders are just jumping dramatically. It's crazy. It's um, but Melbourne seems to be fast, sort of becoming a town of um, hamburgers and f- deep fried chicken, isn't it? Yeah, it is. Everyone, everyone loves it. It's it's just one of those things that 
yeah, people just they don't get sick of it, and they they love it. I think it's great. It's um, uh, if, if you haven't been to Bell's Hot Chicken, mm. um, good friend of mine Morgan, he's the his fried chicken is just unbelievable. What makes it unbelievable? Oh, is buttermilk good for chicken? Uh, what, what's your yeah, thoughts about the buttermilk soaked yeah, chicken? The the classic they use it to tenderize a chicken and yeah, slightly it, buttermilk is slightly acidic and it, yeah, and it does this. Yeah. This sort of alcohol overnight that mm. that happens. Does he do that? Um, not, not he sure. doesn't. He doesn't do that. He's 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 got his secrets. Not too sure exactly what it is, but all oh, right. He'd have to kill you if he told you. <laughs> or he'd have to yeah. kill everyone listening, and you'd be very busy. Yeah. Yeah. Um, all right. Well, let's let's get away from that whole aspect of say Melbourne culture. It is springtime. And uh, just in the in the couple minutes that we've got before we get our um, honeybee people, uh, Melbourne rooftop people who just came in, springtime. What are the things you look forward to? I think springtime is great for you. You know, you've got your asparagus and peas and mm. kohlrabi and all these kohlrabi. Beautiful, yeah, all these beautiful, crunchy, fresh vegetables that mm. you know sharp flavors and you know. Making, making like you know, getting more into have making your raw salads and getting ready to get into hot weather and and more, more than that, get outside, cook outside, yeah. even if it, even if it's still a bit cold, just get all all those beautiful ingredients and start start getting ready for the weather to heat up. Yeah, you're right. So all those little sprouty things that are starting to yeah, to come Asian in. greens is another one. Yeah, Asian, there's, there's Asian greens. They they become really good through spring and you know wilted. You know, just quickly, quick cooking. You no, know, our slow cooking's over now. It's starting to warm up. <laughs> <laughs> we're we're coming into the lightning cooking yeah, now. Just time to sh- time to freshen up. <laughs> yeah, yeah, right. And okay, now tell me just quickly, kohlrabi. Uh, I would actually put to you a very much unloved yes, vegetable, a very much misunderstood. It's sort of in the same sort of thing as chocos. Yeah, it's very. What do you do with a kohlrabi? Tell us, tell us about that. Yeah, it's very. Can unrated. you describe it for people that yeah, haven't seen it? It's it's a it's it's a basically part of a turnip family, mm. and it's best eaten raw. It's like if you get if you get kohlrabi, you replace it with cabbage or something. Make a make a kohlrabi slaw or. You know, salt it down and add some vinegar to it. Get some get some horseradish and mix that around. Spice it up. Nice. Put some hot sauce in there. Put whatever you want in there. Sriracha? Just, yeah. Why not? Why not? Why not? So, yeah. It's um. So it's it, it's, it's one of my favourites. Is it really? Yeah, definitely. I um, need I need to revisit it. I think I, I I think people. I'm not first scared of just the way it looks. It's it's not the it's not the prettiest looking vegetable. It's, it's like it's like a big purple ball, isn't it? Really, <laughs> isn't it? with these sort of weird leaves sticking out. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's um, I'm not I'm not a big fan of cooking it. Um, I just like eating it raw. It's great. Cool. So, uh, and the way to slice it is like, I guess the best way to do it would be get a mandolin. Mandolin. Yes. And, and we're not talking about a stringed instrument, are we? No. <laughs> what, what is a mandolin for those that don't know? It's that scary, scary kitchen tool that it takes off the tip of your fingers. Yes, yes. Gotta yeah, be yeah. Very, very careful. It's um great it's for guitarists. <laughs> I mean, I, yeah, I had guitarist kitchen hands that screamed abuse at me for having to use the mandolin. <laughs> Keep working. You might be bleeding. Don't worry about it. <laughs> ah, my fingers. Um, but yeah, and also uh, invest in the uh, the Japanese mandolin are the ones to get, are they not? Yes. They um, okay, one more just to, you know, do the Julie Andrews for me. 
These are a few of my favourite things. Just another favourite thing. You were saying asparagus. What's the, your favourite thing to do with? Uh, asparagus, once again, it's like it's, it has to be crunchy no matter what you do with it. If you want to quickly cook it or mm. just put some eat it raw, um, I think asparagus quickly cooked over charcoal is beautiful. It's like, valid. You just blacken the outsides mm. with keeping the insides crunchy as possible. Yep. Dress it up, some, you know, some just nice vinegars, Chardonnay vinegar or some Cab Sav vinegars or make a nice dressing. Keep it simple. Keep it really simple. You don't need much, do you? You don't. I could, I could eat a bowl of charcoal grilled asparagus just with some salt and vinegar. That's uh, how... It's, it's the... Leave the vegetable to explain itself, you know what I mean? So... Let it shine. Yeah. Let it shine. Um, we're lucky enough to have a bottle of this olive oil. And I'd actually say um, asparagus cooked crunchy. Not all the way through. That's soggy. So you, so we don't get Nick angry. Um, a little bit of olive oil. Just a little thing of uh, parmigiano. Just a tiny little bit. So that, you know, it just sort of clings to it because it's still hot. That sort of look. A little bit of salt. Pe- That's all you need, isn't it? Simple. It really, really is. Uh, Nick, I... You were telling me you haven't met the uh, Melbourne Rooftop Honey people. You want to stick around and meet them? Yeah, sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They're, they're lovely, and they've been working very, very hard, and we're lucky to have them today. So we uh, we offer them big thanks, first of all, for even just appearing. They are going to appear very shortly. Matt? Yes. Come on, who won? Uh, well, yes. Yeah. Very yeah. big congratulations. I've got too many bits of paper on the go here. Very big congratulations to Andrea and Fred, both who rang up. And correctly... Are they a couple? No. No. Andrew no. and Fred. It's a nice, nice mixture. Andrew and Fred. Um, Andrew and meet Fred. And correctly guessed breadfruit, which is not something I would have guessed. Really? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. well, you just got to watch Mutiny on the Bounty again. Ah. Ah, Mr. Ah, 12.24. Shall we pay some mortgage? Yeah, we're going to swab the decks. Yeah, cool. No, yeah, fat sounds here on 3 Triple RFM. That was here's Rico from Napoleon Dynamite. And uh, we have two guests in, and uh, either there's very, very good news or there's been an Ebola outbreak, and uh, <laughs> we don't know about it. We've got Matt and Vanessa that have come in. First time I've ever seen them in their beekeeping outfits. Good yep. afternoon. Hello. Hey, hey, how you doing? It's a buzzy, busy time now, isn't it? Things are, things are starting to happen. It is. Yeah, we've uh, literally just come from the hives, which are 400 metres down the road. Um, we've yeah. brought in a sample of honey. There's already honey in hives. Spring is well and truly here. And you've brought a little friend too. This is uh, Bertrand, um, the bee. That, that, yeah, he, he managed to get his way into the studio. That's a drone, one of the male bees. Yes. He's, he's come in with us. There's so a- he's the big part of the population. Can you explain to me, like, you know, we sort of... We take so much shit for granted. Oops, swear jar. Sorry, yes. Um, honey, what is that? What, what, what on earth is honey? Okay, uh, honey, so bees... I mean, it's yummy, but what, what's going on there? So they uh, forage and bring back nectar to yeah. the hive, yep. which is the carbohydrate part of their diet. Yes. <clears throat> they then, um, it will get uh, bits of pollen and things mixed in with it. This is, they stick it on their thighs, don't no, they? No, 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 this, the, so the, the, pollen. the pollen is stuck on their thighs. I stole them, yeah. The, the nectar, nectar is, is sucked up. Yes. Which they so throw up. Exactly. <laughs> so they vomit it back up yeah. in the hive. Yeah. Put it, in, put it into that cone that we've got there. Yeah. And then... Who, ma- who makes the cone? So the bees make all of that cone themselves too. They... <sighs> excrete it from some wax glands yeah. and chew it and mould it into that famous shape that we know of. And they're good. I mean, and they only do really one design. I mean, they're a little yeah. bit, you know, you think they might <laughs> go, you know, I'm going to do it. I want to do a dodecagon. 
<laughs> uh, really, Bruce? That's a bit full on. Now we're going to stick with a hexagon. Yep. Yep. And well, that, and that's equivalent, I suppose, to our earwax. Yeah. Yeah. Oh. Yeah. Right. <laughs> yeah. Okay. But they but they sculpted. <laughs> yeah. Well, I don't. But I, they do. I, I'm yeah. sure I read in a Mad magazine about someone who made great sculptures from earwax, but that's <laughs> something else. So so they've already prepared a receptacle for it. They come yep. back with the nectar which they have uh, ingested. Yep. Uh, which they then bring back up, and then mm-hmm. how does it get transformed into this amazing thing? So oh, Vanessa, take it over. <laughs> Handball. Enter. Love it. And hello. So they evaporate the moisture content out of the nectar. And then wow. once it's down to its perfect well, form. form, so yeah. it's about 20% water only, Yes. that's when they cap it and they save it for later. Wow. Yep. God, they're smart. And so then we uh, interfere with that, don't we? Well, we go and then steal it from them. Yeah. So, so the reason that it's it's capped and stored in that manner is is so it will last forever, and that's their food stores. And it does last forever. And the reason behind that is in their stomach, there's enzymes that get added, which yes. um, are equivalent to a hydrogen peroxide, which helps kill any bacteria in there. They also add some their own goodness. Yeah. Um, and then. Um, the, the fact that they, they reduce the moisture down to about 20% is so that when the honey is capped and stored, there's not enough uh, moisture content in it to ferment with airborne yeast and the hive being at 35 degrees. Because water is the problem when we talk about uh, bacteriological sort yep. of infection, is it not? Yes. And if you, uh, if you can deny that, you're laughing. And apparently, you can tell me whether this is right or not, they have found honey in ancient Egyptian tombs, and it has been found to be edible after how long? Correct. 3,000 years. Whoa. Yep. Maybe crystallised, but so, that's still fine. You just warm it up. So use-by date. We, yeah, so technically we, we don't even need to have a use-by date on there. Wow, that is amazing. Yep. And uh, one thing we should not do when we uh, when we do get our honey is uh, is heated up. No, never above 40 degrees. That would that would be starting to really damage it. Yeah, it's right. It's got all those wonderful um, He's a know, big components in it. Yeah, right. You don't want to uh, start start destroying as well as all the, the flavours will start being affected with heat. What's the word? Amylase? Amylase? Anyway, sure. it doesn't matter. Yeah, don't, don't, so don't... Uh, it's not a great... If you want to have the the really great properties of honey, you shouldn't warm it up. So you shouldn't do what my mum used to do, which was... what she do? She used to have this dish called Tahitian ribs where she'd just put soy sauce, honey... Bucket loads of garlic in a pot and just sort of cook it all up, and it was pretty delicious. Yeah, good with rice. Mm-hmm. And then just cook ribs with it. So, but you 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 lose a lot of that. But it is um, it's springtime. So, what what happens in in the life of you guys? You get, you guys get busy. The silly season has begun. Yeah. yeah. Um, so as bees are getting all buzzy and crazy, so are the beekeepers. So um, <sighs> within the next two week, well, within the week. I'm predicting you will see those swarms hanging mm. in a ball around around the suburbs and in gardens and on trees and rose bushes and all sorts of unusual plot spots, including cars. So don't freak out. Don't freak out. Don't um, freak out. They're not wasps. No, no, no. That's right. They're actually well. They're actually pr- pretty much as, they're as docile as they possibly can be when they're in a swarm. Uh, a lot of people have actually been putting out bait boxes for the beginning of the season, which is excellent, especially if you want to catch your own bees so you can start your own colony. Bait boxes? Yeah. Really? What do you put in a bait box? Well, you basically um, create a 
well, it's a space that where you can put um, certain essential oils in there that are attracted to bees. And mm. so bees that are scouts who are looking for new homes for the colonies yep. will go in there and say, oh, yeah, this looks all right. Hey, we'll come over here. Hey, this looks all right. Oh, I can't get out. <laughs> um, so, but, but don't you know, if you're going to start your own colony of bees, don't you need, uh, you need a queen bee, don't you? Yes. Well, the queen, she flies with the swarm. Oh, does she? Yes. So the old queen leaves the hive mm. and the new queen stays. Yeah, home. right. There you go. Come on, man. He's, he's exploring. We've got a bee and he's, um, so as you say, he's a little, uh, Little whoops! There you go, drone bee. Sorry, this doesn't make good radio. But we need a. We need. We're trying to do a tracking shot, but uh, we can't do it. He's just made it to the. I'm trying envelope. to keep him on the honey, but. There we go. I put him on a wallet, and he's, he's coming back. So, um, all right. So, the life of um, the bees, and let's just position that for those that haven't met these guys on the radio, uh, Melbourne Rooftop Honey, and the whole idea is that we have this great. Uh, the opposite of a monoculture, this great diverse culture which makes wonderful honey within the city. And you guys have been doing that. How long have you been doing it for now? Um, so five years. Coming five our, years? This will be our sixth Matt, season. where does the time go? I know. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And we're still here, so yeah. we're doing something okay. But yeah, we'll testify. <laughs> you know, you come, come in here with your great, your great outfits on. Yeah. Uh, Nick Stanton, are you impressed with their outfits? Very. Yeah. I always like smell of smoke. You know? I always smell of smoke as well. Yeah. 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 And it's that campfire brew. Yeah, campfire. yeah, this is our smell of of summer, basically, and, and we don't notice it. Other people, when they get in our car, go, oh, what's that wonderful smell? And rising yeah, it's in my like, childhood, we're like, yeah, that's us. We stink of smoke. That's right? us, yeah. baby. And the reason why you smell of smoke is because... We just came from Beehives. Yeah, it's just on your shoulder. Oh, okay. There he is up there. <laughs> um, no, the, the idea is that uh, to you smoke the uh, the bees out, which chills them out, doesn't it? Yeah, we don't smoke the bees. No, no, because it's no. really hard keeping them alive, isn't it? And, yeah, they always crawl out of the pipe. Yeah, yeah, right, <laughs> before you can get it going. Uh, boom, boom, try the veal. Yeah, Vanessa. Over to you. After Sorry, that. I've got a bee in my hair now. <laughs> well, you, we took about a bee in your so bonnet. So the smoke is used as a distraction tool, so it puts them in a fire drill state. So they're busy, go, they hey, go whoa, in there whoa. and go, oh, we might, we might need to leave soon, so we better go and get some of that honey. <laughs> Just don't chill out. Whoa, don't, don't move anyone. Yep. So that's the reason why you do that. Yeah. And yep. You've brought in this comb, and you were saying that that's just from 400 metres away? 400 metres away, just... From Triple R. Off Nicholson Street. Yeah. Yep, yep. Um, and that was just removed, probably... Go, Nick. I like uh, that. Let's just went, give me some of that. Ten minutes ago, that came out of a hive. So it's, it's as fresh as you can get. So, and what is the... What do you reckon that's been eating? Everything. I mean, there's... Can you sort of... Tell well, so um, the the stone fruit is is blossoming at the moment. Yeah. Um, Nick's, so Nick's sort of um, looking up. He's looking up. What lots of brambles. It? Lots yeah. of brambles. Yeah. What is a bramble anyway? I don't even know what a bramble looks. I've heard of them. It's like like hawthorn. Apparently, is a, a thing, yeah, and I've never hedge. actually seen it's blackberries and ra- you know. Berries. Oh, a bramble! That's what you you, you roll in, and it's not good. <laughs> Yeah, right. All right, I've got a bit into the brambles. Okay, so, bra- so there's a bit of bramble. Um, yes. There could be winter uh, eucalypts also in there. That they, they, so the bees 
here in in Australia and in Victoria, especially, mm. they still will forage in winter. Mm. Um, when they're when they're over in Europe and they're snowed in for the winter, they they don't get out, and that's when they eat their stores. Mm. But here, mm-hmm. even on the coldest of days, you'll still see the one or two bees here or there going out and having a bit of a, a scout around. Mm. And uh, we've got our, our eucalypts that that some of them do flower during the winter, and and if the if it's a warm enough day, then they'll definitely forage and, and collect that. Okay. Um I think just I think it's really important just very very quickly because we we're talking about that but we should also talk about uh, nicotinoids is that still an issue uh, that needs to well, be um, also glyphosate glyphosate too yes which so is now um, this there's, is, there's always been evidence to people who are exposed to them in their professions um, and there's you know there's always been uh, assume that they're safe. They're, we were always told that, that one of the most famous glyphosates... Uh, yes, the R word, the Roundup. It, yep. it, well, yeah. There uh, you go, I did it, it. it was, it <laughs> was written on the label that it was biodegradable and just recently they got in a, a lot of trouble because it was found that it's actually not. It's residual. It's, it builds up in the soil. And uh, we, we've had... Um, we've, we've had definite exposure to it on some of our sites and it, it does kill bees and, and again if it's if killing bees it's it's not doing good for us so there you go so it might be a good idea to start uh either not using that at all or reducing that very very much well yeah, and also yeah. the fact that um we should possibly be planting more um nectar producing things in our gardens to uh, attract bees and what are the sort of things that bees love Definitely. Um, so creating bee well friendly environments, I suppose, because realistically, urban environments are one of their last kind of sanctuaries. So things like for spring, we've got, um, of course, sunflowers. Bees love sunflowers. Yeah. Just but up, there's yeah. so many. depends on all sorts of different types of herbs. Um, you've also got, um, well, herbs including like basils and thymes. Lots of natives. They love the calistamins and grevilleas as well. So really, um, just get out there. There's stuff every season to plant. You know, one of my favourites is uh, those cone-shaped flowers, Echium fastidium. Oh, they the love bees them. love those, don't they? Well, they love them especially because they produce nectar all day. Do so they? certain plants only pre- actually produce their nectar either morning, PM kind of thing, but they yeah. all day. And they're just coming out now, and they look. First of all, the echiums look fantastic, and there's just something great about it. Just being alive when it's flowering, there's just all these bees buzzing, and it's kind of nice. Can we buy your honey anywhere? Yeah, well, yeah, 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 for sure. Yeah, you can get it down the road. Where? Um, Pope Joan? <laughs> what, are, you, are you setting up a stand or something? Hello? No, in the food store. Both of them. Actually, Jack Horner and Pope Joan here. But, yeah, yeah. Lots of, we have a little map on our site that's got all the stuff. And where's your site? Where do we go to? Rooftophoney.com.au. Ah, look, thank you so much for coming in. I know you're, you're really, really busy. Dad joke. Um, thank you very, very much. Nick? We're going to, um, maybe you should get some of that, uh, that stuff at St. Leonard's? I think so. Could be kind of good. good. Stuff. Oh, and what, did we come up with an idea of what it tastes like yeah, in, any, in any, 10 seconds or so? feedback on the flavours? What'd you get? Nick, what'd you get? Anything. Yeah? Just, just tastes like really good honey to me. Just tastes like really good honey, didn't it? Yeah. <laughs> All right. Well, look, we're, we're going to leave it here. Nick, thank you very, very much for, now, once again, where's your place? In South Yarra, just on Wilson Street. Wilson Street, near the jam factory. Um, Vanessa's just going in again, just confirming the taste for the honey. It's a taste of spring. Yes, oh. there we go. Let's hang our hat on that. Uh, Down low is on next.
you wouldn't want to go anywhere, would you? Because um, they're funny. And look out next week for Einstein and Gogo with uh, in conversation with Tim Flannery. Yes, and it's going to be great. And congratulations to our winners as well. Thank yes. you for listening, everyone. Uh, we'll be back next week, and it's time to go. Bye bye. You have been listening to a podcast from Australia's best-known community radio station, 3RRR, 102.7 in Melbourne. For more podcasts, information about upcoming events and our live stream, please visit our website at rrr.org.au.